Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Full Gear Fallout, a final farewell from The Undertaker and potentially a tag team from Impact Wrestling headed to WWE. Maybe we'll get into it. All that and much more on today's WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, November 12th, 2020. But probably more importantly than anything else, we got a birthday coming up in four days. November 16th marks the day of birth of one Mr. Marceau, who is on the line with me right now. Mr. Marceau, you got the Big 27 coming up on Monday. Unfortunately, yeah, don't remind me. Unfortunately, I, I thought it was the Big 21. I wish it was. I feel like an old man now. 27 years. Jeez. What happened? Hey, where did the, where did the rest of it go? It flew right by. I don't like it. I don't like reminding me how old I am. Curtain circumstances are preventing you maybe from doing anything and doing anything special for your birthday because it is on Monday, so you do anything maybe special on the weekend or whatever? Um, Tomorrow night I'm going out to dinner with some with my siblings, but besides that, nothing uh, nothing crazy planned due to the... Uh, <laughs> the pandemic unfortunately <laughs> i just realized wait a second it's on monday you're gonna be, you're gonna be spending it watching monday night raw <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe we'll see uh, my fast forward button on my direct tv remote starting to wear out because of raw but we'll see what happens <laughs> maybe they'll maybe they'll uh give me a good addition hopefully what games on on monday or what games i guess plural because i know there's probably a couple games airing on monday <laughs> I don't know. Let me take a quick peeky boo. I don't know what's on Monday night. Usually, I know last week. Last week's game stunk. It was the peak. Didn't the Buccaneers lose or something? The Jets lost. The Jets. I mean, what else is now? Oh, Vikings and Bears. Eh, it's all right. I, I might. I might tune in for that. We'll see what happens. But <laughs> hopefully, Rock can uh, turn it around for me. Hey, anything's better than brand supremacy and Alana getting put through a table again. It's like you're watching Groundhog Day constantly. So it's probably better than that. Um, I might have to. I might have to consider tuning into the Monday Night Football game myself. But uh, we're going to be talking all about Raw here today. In addition to Full Gear from last Saturday, which I thought overall was a great show. In addition to the AEW Dynamite Fallout on Wednesday, NXT. And a ton more. But before we get into any of that, people can check out the show every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com. We're up on uh, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the popular podcast platforms. You can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Find Mr. Marceau on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau and myself at WrestleRant. I completely forgot until today, Mr. Marceau, that this month actually marks 10 years of Next Day Wrestling slash WrestleRant. You've been a big part of that, so i got to thank you right off the bat. Jeez, 10 years? Holy smokes, GSM, you're making me feel old again. You need to stop. <laughs> RJ's two cents. People could check the archives. Speaking of checking the archives, we'll get into it a little bit later, but you were right on the money with a certain prediction for this week's NXT. You won't spoil it, but you texted me this morning reminding me of it. I completely forgot that you mentioned it. So again, we'll get into that in the NXT review here today, but 10 years is not nearly as impressive as 30 years, which we're celebrating this month of The Undertaker in WWE, um, having debuted on November 22nd, 1990 at Survivor Series itself. 30 years to the day 
Undertaker is going to be appearing at Survivor Series next Sunday. It feels a bit out of place on the whole brand supremacy show thing, um, which I think just who could possibly care at this point. And we've mentioned it time and time and time again. There has not been any stakes for years. But, I mean, this year in particular, the build has been abysmal, um, especially on the Raw side. So, that being said, we are still getting 30 years of The Undertaker next Sunday at the pay-per-view, which WWE is now promoting as the final, or rather a farewell address, final farewell, whatever, from the Phenom himself at Survivor Series. Um, do you buy into this, Mr. Marceau? Because now, again, I know a lot of people have said, oh, we've gotten this a million times. We've gotten a million Undertaker retirements. But they've never actually outright said that he that he was retired. Even coming out of WrestleMania 33, when we thought he was done, we were there, we saw the final bow of source of, of The Undertaker, they never actually said the word retired. Even in the last ride documentary, he just said maybe if an opportunity presented itself, he might come back. But for right now, he has no desire to wrestle. Is this it for The Undertaker, RJ? I hope so. Um, after the whole last ride uh, documentary series, I just, I, I, you could kind of go into his life and see what was going on with him physically. Uh, mentally, didn't seem like he was all the way there either. So for his for his health and stuff, I, I hope it's his, his farewell on, at Survivor Series. I just, he doesn't need to be wrestling anymore. He can still come back time and time just to do the whole Legends thing, but Hopefully, as our England competitor, he retires. Um, just don't need to see the guy kill himself anymore. Um, 30 years is a long, long time, especially in that industry, just beating your body up and traveling. And you can only imagine all the aches and pains that he has now. So I, I would say Survivor Series should be the last of The Undertaker, especially it, it, at least wrestling capacity. He can come back, but uh, no more wrestling. Wait, what do you mean in a wrestling capacity? He can come back. Like, don't wrestle. Just he can okay. go back and do, like, the legend stuff. Just don't come back wrestling. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, I agree. I mean, I know I fantasy booked this I fantasy booked this a couple of months ago, coming off the finale of Last Ride, which was an amazing documentary. If you haven't seen it, what the hell are you waiting for? I think it's actually up right now in the free version of the network, if you don't have the network. Um, but I did mention at the time when that documentary ended that I would have loved to have seen AJ and Taker one more time at Survivor Series. AJ being the Intercontinental Champion at the time, he no longer is at this current point, now that he's on Raw. Um, AJ wins, gets his win back, because they were teasing AJ and Taker coming out of Mania at several different points. Like, he mentioned Taker in multiple promos, they teased it in backstage segments, and ever since the ending of the the, the Last Ride documentary, there's been no mention of Taker from AJ Styles, so I think they kind of moved on from that. Um, but that was my hope. I mean, that was back in May, June, whatever, when we were thinking there might be a possibility of fans coming back no by November. Obviously, we're such a far ways off from that. There won't be any fans next Sunday. And that is a factor in the, in the reason why a lot of people think that this won't be and shouldn't be the end for The Undertaker, just because there's no fans there to chant, you know, thank you, Taker, blah, 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 um, to make it as special as it could be. But that being said, I mean... It sucks, given the circumstances, that there won't be fans there to give him the, you know, the final farewell that he deserves. But for him to just come out, cut a heartfelt promo, not one of these, like, oh, rest in peace promos. I don't want that shit. We've seen that on Raw and SmackDown now for fucking years. I want Mark Calloway out there. He can do the whole entrance, obviously. But I just want a genuine, normal Mark Calloway talking about the end of his career before calling the career right there on the show. Now, a lot of people are bracing for a potential interruption. Um, maybe it could lead to him choke slamming someone like a Sami Zayn again, which we saw on SmackDown a couple of years ago. I think it was actually last year that happened. And then have that be it. 
could you see a scenario, RJ, where they have someone interrupt, like a God forbid, a King Corbin or someone like that, um, setting up a potential match for WrestleMania next year? All right. I, if someone comes out, I hope it's just like choke slam, maybe a tombstone, just kind of finish that chapter of his career. I hope it doesn't lead to a match, but I mean, these things usually never go go uninterrupted, so I expect some kind of interruption. But I hope it's just a quick little choke slam, tombstone. Guys retired. I don't need to see another match with like King Corbin or someone that I just don't care about. And he did say this. I got to mention this as well because people were saying this coming out of WrestleMania. Oh, maybe the cinematic matches can prolong Taker's career because the Boneyard match, which was a great way for his career to end, um, was so good. People thinking, oh, maybe he can get another couple years out of this thing. He even said himself, actually, today in an interview with Sports Illustrated. He doesn't do many interviews, or not Sports Illustrated, rather the New York Times. He told the New York Times that... He has no desire to continue doing cinematic matches. He's heavily hinted at him being done without actually saying the word retired because um, he has said that if there was a good enough idea, Vince really needed him because he's a company guy, then he might consider coming back. But the cinematic matches, as great as that one was, we don't need to have it. I think that was a great way to end his career. If That was indeed it for The Undertaker, and I think it should be. So hopefully that is it for Taker next Sunday at Survivor Series. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so far, we got a bunch of brand versus brand matches set up for the show. Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, one-on-one for the first time, I think in several years. Um, Asuka, Sasha Banks, New Day, and Street Profits. Obviously, cards subject to change depending on what happens next week on Raw, which we will get to momentarily. But before we get to any of the WWE stuff, um, in addition to the Taker stuff, which we just talked about, we're starting off today's show with some AEW talk, which we don't normally start off the show with, but um, it's pretty important just because we are coming off what I thought was a great show on Saturday in full gear. Would you say, from what you can recall and what your thoughts are, RJ, that either was the best pay-per-view of the year for AEW, I mean, obviously an improvement over All Out, which was, which was a disappointment, was it one of, if not your favorite pay-per-view of the year for AEW in 2020? Uh, I would say it was either that or Revolution. I think both shows were pretty good. Um, I would have to go back and look at the Re- Revolution quickly to see which one was better. I thought both shows were pretty good. Um, I feel like Revolution is maybe maybe the crowd. They actually had a crowd still back then. And in Chicago, too, no less. Omega match was amazing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let me see. I want to jump over that. I know MGF and Cody was good for what it, I mean, I think it could have been better, but that was good. Uh, Mox and Jericho. Um, let's see what else is on here. I remember those three matches. I know they Hager did Rose and, and Statlander, which sucked. They did Hager and Dustin Rhodes, which sucked. Yep. They did. I know they uh, did Allen and Guevara, which was good too. Yeah. Um. Uh, the tag title uh, match was the real was the real show stealer. Yeah, I, I'd still probably say I think I liked Revolution more, but I would say Full Gear was a close second. Still a pretty good show. We had on the buy-in. Did you watch the buy-in match between Serena Deeb? I did not watch the buy-in, unfortunately. Okay, I didn't didn't think so. But it was a good match, Serena Deeb beating Allison Kateruti in the NWA World Women's Championship. As we said last week, as many other people have said as well, that championship continues to be presented better than their own women's title. Um, They actually didn't mention anything about the women's matches from Full Gear on Dynamite this week until like 9.30 p.m., until like a half an hour before it was about to end. It's just a complete afterthought right now, but... We are likely getting, not even likely, we probably are getting Thunder Rosa versus Deeb in a rematch for the NWA Women's title. Rosa resurfaced afterward uh, to confront Serena Deeb. So we hadn't seen her on the show in recent months. We talked about Thunder Rosa, I think, on the show two weeks ago as to whether she could be WWE bound. Um, That doesn't appear to be the case anymore just because if she was headed to WWE, I don't think she would still be appearing on Dynamite. 
um, especially if she's not under contract to the company. Um, who do you think goes over in that scenario, RJ? Is, does Serena Deeb retain the title, or does Thunder Rosa get it back? Uh, I would say uh, I would keep the belt on Deeb. Um, no, if if she's stay, sticking around, I, I I don't know why you just throw the belt back on Thunder Rosa. Kind of doesn't really, especially on a show that wasn't even televised by them. It was at a random indie show, so mm-hmm. I, I would keep the belt on Deeb. Um, I think she's really good in the ring. I just think it's foolish that they promote the NWA World Women's Championship better than their own. I mean, she just had a great year. She's floundered pretty much. Every match she's had has been pre- pretty good. I thought this match on the show was eh. Mm-hmm. But I think every other match she's had has been good. She's been featured barely ever. So I think they need to put way more intention on her. I, I just, I'm not sure with the pandemic and maybe they just, don't think it needs to be promoted as much, but I think the women's division just needs like just put them on the show. I just I feel like before full gear, I couldn't even tell you the last time I saw Sheeta in action. So mm-hmm. I like her a lot too. So um, I just think they need to focus more on their own champion than the NWA champion, unless they're eventually going to merge it. And besides that, why the hell would you be featuring someone on a different company? more than your own champion just doesn't make much sense to me no i agree they definitely got to do a better job with the women's division that's been an uh that's been kind of like their achilles heel for the last year and it's only not, not gotten worse because they have more talent now but they got to do a better job of promoting said women um now i know you missed the buy-in did you end up catching up on omega and page yes i i i, I watched the whole show i i when i watched it live i started at i started at uh cassidy and silver fell asleep during the main event and then the next day I watched the uh, Omega page and then watched the rest of the main event. So I've caught up on everything. Okay, perfect. So this was a great match. Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page in the finals of the World Title Eliminator Tournament. Obviously Omega winning as we expected to become the new number one contender to the title um, next month on the show which we'll get to a little bit later on. I thought this was a great match. Now I thought the best part about it was the fact that it actually was good enough to be great but it could still be better. And I think they were holding off a bit because they know they could do better down the road. Um, you know, when they eventually, I would have to assume, meet for the world championship at some point in 2021, if not later, but probably next year. But yeah, I thought this was a great opener. I saw people saying it was the greatest opener in AEW pay per view history. I don't know if I would go that far. I'd really have to go back and look at the cards. Um, but this was a great way to kick off the show. I thought both guys, uh, both guys looked good. Um, I did kind of expect Omega to turn heel, or at least tease a heel turn, or cheat to win. We didn't get any of that. And they're probably saving it for either the title match itself or soon after next month. Um, but I thought for what this was, it was a really, really good opener. I thought this was a good match. Like you said, I think... A lot of people are spoiled like over the top matches, but especially with this one, it seems like down the line they're going to continue the story and have another match or two. So I'm glad that they didn't like pull out all the bells and whistles. I mean, especially if they do an amazing match here and then they have like a championship match down the line and it's just not as good. People just like, oh, it wasn't as good as the other match. So I'm glad that they kind of held back a little bit. I still think it was a really good match though. Um, I like the ending with like Paige like almost like getting out of the one wing angel but not doing it i think down the line i think he'll be the first one to kick out of the one wing angel when mm-hmm. he beats omega down the line which i think is great storytelling and i'm not a big omega fan but i think this story of them too just because they were great champions together and then mm-hmm. now page hopefully being the one to beat him i yeah. think it'll be a, i think it'll be a big pop especially if there's people like a decent amount of people there will be amazing yeah, no, I agree. I think by that point, if they wait long enough to do the story, which might not be until late 2021, 
Because I assume Omega wins the championship. I wouldn't have Paige take the belt right off of him. Like they did it with FTR and Bucks when FTR won the belts at All Out. And then they just lost him to the subsequent pay-per-view, which is fine. Uh, but I'd rather see Omega kind of get a lengthy reign before finally losing it to, to Hangman. Um, but I know I thought this was good. I thought Omega winning clean was perfectly fine. Page is good um, in defeat. He's perfectly protected. So I think when they go back to this, I completely agree. Never really thought about it like that. But Page would be the perfect person to eventually be the first to kick out of that one-winged angel. And it's going to be a big deal as a result when they eventually get to that. Um, so we had Orange Cassidy and John Four Silver on the show as well. A match obviously going in neither of us and a lot of other people, I would assume, couldn't have cared less about it just because it had no storyline significance whatsoever. Which is fine if it was on the buy-in, but on the main card on a show that already went three and a half hours, probably not necessary. That being said, from an in-ring standpoint, I thought this was fun. I thought it was a good match. I thought Silver stood out. Um, obviously the best match I've ever seen him have. Cassidy winning was a no-brainer, and he's you know entertaining for what he is. But I thought this was a real standout showing for Silver, and hopefully they could do more with him in the future, I thought. It was a decent match here. Um, I would have put it on the buy-in. Just both guys are comedy guys. Didn't really have any stakes on the line. Kind of random. Just, I feel like it was kind of just get Orange Cassidy on the show. Uh, keep him a little relevant. But what, for what it was, it was good. I would have put it on the buy-in. Um, it's kind of crazy. Orange Cassidy goes from beating Jericho to facing John Silver. I mean, I think <laughs> I think they just never really thought that out. I just... I don't know. Like, did they think him beating Jericho was really going to make him into a big star? Yeah, well, not just them. I think Jericho thought that. I mean, he even well, said that in fucking self. He said that on All Out. He was like, oh, he's a main event talent now. Like, I hate it when Matt Hardy did that on Dynamite this week, too. He's like, oh, I gave Guevara the rub. Listen, I love Matt Hardy. You probably shouldn't be fucking saying that stuff on the show itself if it's a blood feud. I was just saying. It's we'll so t- we'll stupid. Touch, we'll touch the base on that when we get to that match because I had a comment about that as well. Yep. But, yeah, I just think... I just think it's crazy how far, like, not that he's calm, but, like, he was supposed to be in this big position. Now he's kind of just still, like, a comedy guy, which, I mean, that's what he was going to be. He wasn't going to be anything bigger. But for what it was, it was a good match. Yeah, no, I thought from an in-ring standpoint it was good. It was well-wrestled. I just, I don't know, just the whole, yeah, I, I, I agree. We'll get to the Matt Hardy-Guevara stuff momentarily. But when Jericho said it all out, he was like, oh, yeah, we made him into a star. Like, this isn't a feud. He, he literally said, and I'm sure we discussed this at the time, but he goes, this isn't a feud. This is all about elevating the future. Like, why the fuck would you say it on the show? Especially if you're a heel. Like, that just makes no sense to me. You know, he was he was elevated so much, he failed to win the TNT title, like, fucking three times. And now he's facing John Silver on, on uh, this pay-per-view on Full Gear. So, not that he's dead in the water, but... I just don't know what you do with the guy from here, which is probably which is why I thought it was problematic for Cassidy to win. Because Jericho had a match on this pay-per-view against MJF. And we'll get to that, but I don't think that that win over Jericho meant as much because he already lost to Orange Cassidy twice. So MJF beating him wasn't really much of a surprise or wasn't really all that meaningful just because Jericho's been losing a lot this year anyway, it feels like, or at least whenever it matters most. So it is what it is. But we get to the AEW TNT title match, and speaking of losing, Allen did a lot again, you know, did a lot of that against Cody Rhodes in the last year. Um, but he finally beat him on the show, kind of an upset win or an unsurprising or a, kind of a shocking, surprising win, I should say. Um, I was not expecting a title change here, but it was a great match. They worked really well together. Their chemistry is always great. And Allen's emerging victorious to become the new AEW TNT champion, um, which made for a really nice moment, I thought. Um, but yeah, so then we had Team Taz come out afterward. They had said beforehand they would make their presence felt in the show. They did. Going after Allen, going after Cody before Will Hobbs made the save. Never made contact with Team Taz 
which makes me think that he'll probably join them since he hasn't given them an answer yet as to whether he will join. Uh, so a lot to dissect here, a lot to break down, but what were your thoughts on the match, RJ, and the uh, title change with Darby Allen becoming the new champion? This was a great match. I, I think this is probably my favorite match on the show. Um, Darby's lost to Cody, I think, two or three times already, so it was nice to finally get that win. Um, Cody, can Co- Cody just turn heel at this point? I just... I just he just like acts like a dick during the match, but then after the match he's like hugging and kissing the guy. <laughs> I, I I don't know, like I, I understand like he said a couple weeks ago, like there's no like we're we're getting rid of old wrestling tropes of baby face and heel, but you can't be a face before the match and bring out thirty fucking friends out and kiss your ass and then during <laughs> the match you're a total heel and then after the match you're a face again. It just doesn't make much sense, but that's just a Cody Rhodes kind of tick for me right now. But no, I, I thought the match itself was good. I probably would have had Allen beat him with the coffin drop, kind of just get over the finish. Him rolling him up, yeah, like he put him over, but kind of like just like he just rolled him up. I don't know. I think if he hit, like hit the momentum was there, hits him with the coffin drop. I thought it was over there, and then he rolled him up afterwards. But that was kind of only my nitpick. The aftermath, I, I just it is what it is. I I like Team Taz, but they haven't really. They're kind of lost in the shuffle right now. I mean, they are dealing with Darby and Cody, but it's kind of like an underlying storyline. So we'll see what happens. Don't think Will Hobbs necessarily needs to join them. I kind of like Cage and Starks with Taz. I think they work great together, but um, everyone needs a group, so might as well put them with uh, Team Taz. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, they'll probably do a rematch. Cody did say on Dynamite he's not pursuing a rematch at this time. But when they do a rematch, he should beat him more decisively the next time. But yeah, the heel Cody Rhodes thing, we should bring that up real quick. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Now, he has been teasing it for a long time now, which has made me think, you think, everyone else think, that he was turning heel soon. Likely either in this match or soon after. When they took their time with Allen's victory, with Cody congratulating him and whatever, I thought it was inevitable that he was going to turn on him, attack him, whatever. Um, th- that crossroads off the top rope looked fucking great, by the way. He doesn't always hit that move exceptionally well, and it doesn't always look great. That one was fantastic. Um, I thought he would do another one of those when Allen was on the top rope celebrating. We didn't get that. I, I just don't think, and I may have said this last week, but what would you do if Cody goes heel, which he has to, I think, especially if he's going to act like a dick in his matches. If he's still going to do that, he has to turn heel eventually. What do you do with the Nightmare family, though? Because that entire faction, it's not like it's the inner circle, you lose one person, you can just replace him or whatever. That entire faction is built around Cody. So I don't see everyone in that faction turning heel. They've already added 5,000 members with the Gun Club and Lee Johnson. Who gives a fuck? The Nightmare, uh, the, the Natural Nightmares. They have a lot of people in that faction. Arn Anderson, Brandy Rhodes. What would you? What do you do with a heel Cody with that faction? Do you just disband the whole thing? I mean, I would, but it seems like they're building it up and not, not tearing it down uh, practically. Uh, the, the, the issue with the faction is that it's not like... It's stupid because it's like they just come out and tickle Cody when he walks out to the ring. It's not like they really help him. Where were they after the match when he's getting his ass kicked? There's 20 <laughs> members in this nightmare family, and no one came out to help him out. That's a good like, point. So they're useless. I, I I thought like like you would think they come out to the match with them. They're like pumping them up, you know, big TNT title match. You think they'd be right back, right out back on the monitor watching the match. You think after the match when they start getting his ass kicked, at least QT and Dustin would run out to help him, but. I think they're just kind of useless. It's, I don't even consider them a faction because they don't really like team together or work together. It's kind of like Cody and then there's Entourage. So if he goes heel, I would just split them up. There's no need for them. Um, 
they're adding random members, which is just like dark order jobbers. Basically it's like Lee Johnson, red velvet, like, Oh, cause Brandy needs someone else to join her. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Oh, just... is she officially a member of the team? Yeah. I'm pretty sure she is. Oh my God. Look it up. Nightmare family. I'm pretty sure. Oh, it's like, shit. Why don't we have the gun club in there? I know that for a fact. I'm pretty sure. I don't see if Wiki has, and I doubt they do, but Nightmare. Well, I know she and Brandy are a thing. I just didn't know if she was a member. She probably is. You're probably not wrong. I just I didn't know that was officially announced. I might have missed that. Come do you on. see anything? Uh, nothing yet. I could have sworn they said that that uh, Red Velvet was part of the Nightmare family now. I wouldn't be surprised if she was. I mean, she's been on TV a lot lately between Dark and Dynamite and whatever. Um, and she's, she's, she's all right. I think she came out on, I think she came out with them on, on Sunday or Saturday night. I don't remember that. I know, I remember seeing Brandy. I don't remember seeing her. She might've been there. I'm not sure though. Let me see. Let me do a little bit more research. If it hasn't happened up. yet, it probably will very soon. Just because. Well, there's no Allie now, so. What'd you say? Allie's not with them anymore. They need another woman member. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I just don't get it. But I thought the match itself was great, though. And I forgot to ask you this last week. I mean, this came out last Thursday. I completely forgot to ask you. But what are your thoughts on Cody getting his last name back? Oh, it's a nice little touch. Um, it was nice to hear them say Cody Rhodes. I love how before him, like, I'm only going to use it for a movie deal. And then he pulls it out the next night. So I, th- I, he, I think fun. he did that on purpose, I thought. Yeah, I think he did, too. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was nice. Nice little touch. Because, um, like... Cody's great, but, like, kind of need a name at the end of it. Like, don't go full WWE on us with the one name or so. <laughs> he's I not like sure. It, it looked good. It looked good. It looked good. He's it's not Prince. Good, yeah, he's not Prince or Cher or <laughs> Kobe or LeBron. Like, he's Cody Rhodes. So. Exactly. He's not Goldberg. He He's not Riddle either. <laughs> oh, dumb. I got nothing that. here yet, but I could have sworn someone said she joined, but nothing yet. Uh, it, it, if it hasn't happened yet, you're probably – I mean, you already predicted the – um the Leon Ruff thing to a certain degree. So I wouldn't be surprised that that was made official very soon. But yeah, no, I, I like where I, I like the whole match. I like the fact that Darby finally picked up a win. They need more. I don't know if homegrown is the right word, but they need more people of theirs to win titles. Like MJF is lost. You know, they have all the elite people holding belts like Omega and page and the bucks and Cody, and they've all held gold. But what about fucking Darby Allen? What about Sammy Guevara? What about, you know, MJF and people like that. So I'm glad that, I'm glad he finally won the championship, and I'm hoping he's going to hold it for a while, and we'll see where it goes from here. We'll talk about the rest of the Cody Rhodes stuff in the Dynamite review. Um, Sheeta, Rose, you already mentioned earlier, decent match. Not bad, but definitely sloppy, and it just wasn't my cup of tea. Rose was on, was on offense for most of it, going after the knee of Sheeta, which it was a solid story to tell. I just didn't really care. Um, and Sheeta should not have lost here anyway. And I like Rose. She's actually grown on me. And I thought the first match they had a double or nothing was great. I just don't know why you would go from a no DQ match to just a regular match. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. Um, but this was what it was. Any additional thoughts on this? This match, I just didn't like it at all. Um, thought it was a, just a sloppy Joe mess. Um, <laughs> didn't really get the story they were telling. Like they were just hitting like moves just to hit on Vicky getting involved. Like, please stop. Um, I just, I don't know. I like Sheeta a lot. Just this match fell, fell for me. Like you said, it, it was kind of weird how their last match was no DQ. And then they had this match. It was kind of just a cluster. I like Sheeta a lot. I'm assuming you go with Britt Baker next, but I'm not quite sure. But no, this is probably 
my least. It definitely was my least favorite match on the show. It was probably my least favorite Sheeta match so far. Yeah, probably. Just not a great match. And I think Britt Baker and Sheeta will be better. They had great chemistry the last time they had a match earlier this year, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I thought the match of the night really was the Young Bucks and FTR for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Dave Meltzer's already said one of the greatest matches, if not the greatest tag team match in the history of America, which he said about Revolution as well. This might have been better than that, he said. I mean, I'd have to go back and watch both matches. I thought the tag team match of Revolution was better than this. This was a great match. It was an excellent match. Was it the greatest tag team match in the history of this country? I would probably say no. That, that's a pretty hard no for me, but it was a great match, though. Uh, there really isn't much more to say about it other than it was just a good match. They did a lot of um, tributes to 3D, the Hardy Boys, uh, and among other tag teams as well. Um, just just a lot of fun, and the Bucks winning was really never in doubt just due to the dumb stipulation. That was really what hurt it at the end of the day. There was a chance FTR could win, but when they say, oh, the Bucks lose, you, you mentioned it earlier, but if the Bucks lose, they'll never again go get to go for the belts. You had to know they were going to win, especially after Cody lost last year with the same exact stipulation, which was incredibly stupid. It was dumb then, and it's dumb now with these guys. Um, but I was happy the Bucks won. You know, they've they've been building to this for a while. The story wasn't the greatest coming in, but I thought it delivered for all the hype this match has gotten over the last four or five years. I would say it delivered. Yeah, this match was good. I, I definitely would say the Revolution match was. I thought it was a lot. I thought I wouldn't say a lot better, but I thought it was better. Um, Dave Meltzer's just a Young Bucks mark, so I'll just say anything they do is going to be 20 stars. So <laughs> uh, He's irrelevant in my mind at this point. He just sucks off AEW, so I think his his opinion means nothing at this point. So, mm-hmm. But this match was good. I, I don't, like you said, the thing that killed it for me, I just didn't think the Young Bucks were going to lose. I mean, they, they, they had a good back and forth, like you said. Um, had some tributes. They worked their leg or ankle of, of uh, Matt Jackson. Clearly, it's his knee that's injured. Not sure. if you ever they say it's MCL ACL. I mean, he's been limping around too. It's not. It's more not even like he's selling. Clearly, I can tell that he's like in some discomfort. So I, I thought that maybe they just put the belts on him just so, so they could win and not have that stupid stipulation. But if he's going to be hurt, I mean, how much can you really work on an MCL or ACL? We'll see what happens. But I, I thought the story was there. Um, Dash doing like the four fifty or. Or cashed, can't remember. Whoever did the 450. Yeah, like, Cash did, yeah. I understand, like, they, like, they went, like, I understand what they were going for. Like, they hit them with everything else. They're going to do what they not normally do. But then just kick, hitting them with one super kick with no, like, his bad ankle hits the super kick and wins kind of just, like, seemed ant to me. Like, just, like, that, and that's the issue I have with the Young Bucks is that their matches, they hit every move under the sun. And then whenever they win, it's usually, like, like a normal move no exactly it always feels random when they win because it's like you can never get invested into the win because it's always like they hit like a triple backflip pile driver and they kick out a two and then they hit them with a little knee lift and they pin a one two three and you're like wait what so like that's my issue with the young bucks and like i think that maybe it killed the match for me like they just hit every move under the sun and then when they win it's something that like you don't see coming happening so you're just like oh well, that was a good match. Like, that's how every time they win, it's how I feel when they win. It's like, oh, I, well, that's a good match, but, I, I mean, that was kind of random. It feels random every time they win. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. That was my biggest nitpick of the match, I think. And I texted that, too. I'm like, I, I thought the the flip, the 450 from Cash was an amazing touch. I never really, I didn't think about it in the moment, but I saw people mentioning it after the fact. 
where they're always like, you know, no flips, just fists. They do a flip, and that's what cost them the match. I thought that was great. The super kick on the bad leg, I know they were going for something real quick just to end the match. Um, not because he was, like, hurting or whatever, although that was probably the case, too. That was, you know, just like an RKO out of nowhere type of thing. I don't know. I just feel like they do super kicks all the time. They did they did a fucking double super kick to one of them earlier on in the match, and then it's just one that puts him away. The, the exact same thing, probably even to a lesser degree, actually, happened with the Revolution match, dude. I mean, we talked about this six, seven months ago. Um, I don't know if you were on the show to discuss it with me, but they did everything in the book, and then all it took was one buckshot lariat from Paige, and they did it. Omega and Paige did their combo finisher to one of the bucks, and they kicked out. And then Paige did his own finisher, just the Buckshot Lariat, not with Omega, and they won with that. And I was like, okay, that seems a little anticlimactic. It was the exact same thing here. Yeah, yeah, we discussed this. Yeah, I think they hit the Buckshot with the V-Trigger on Matt Jackson. Yep. He kicked out, and I think Omega, I think he did a dive either over the top or middle rope, took out Nick Jackson, and then Omega, or Paige just hit him with one Buckshot Lariat and beat him. It just... It's, that's the thing. It's like you expect that. Like, that's their finish. So you expect it to happen, and then they don't, and then they beat them with something else. It just, I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I honestly kind of like about the Kenny Omega matches because you know when he hits that one winged angel, it's over. So I was glad that Paige didn't kick out of it. I thought he might, but no, he hit it once, and then the match was done. And you rarely ever see that with a Kenny Omega match. And he's had a lot of kickouts in his matches, but not out of his finisher. So I appreciate that. The Bucks. I mean, I can't tell you how many fucking times they've hit the Melcher driver or whatever the hell their, their other finishers are, and they kick out every single time. It's like, how effective is it really? If it looks cool, awesome. But, like, if they always kick out, how effective is it really? Um, but other than that, I thought this was a great match. I would put the Revolution match, which I haven't seen since then. I'll probably watch it back one of these days because it was one of my favorite matches from the entire year. I'll probably put that over this one for the sheer fact that that one had a crowd for it, and it was more special. This one had a crowd, too. It just wasn't the same. When you don't have fans there going crazy, that was in Chicago too, remember? So they were eating that shit up. That's, I mean, also that was... Also, the build, the build for Revolution was better too. I think the build for this one sucked. I completely agree. The build for this match was underwhelming. The build for that match was better. The build for the overall show actually was better for Revolution than it was for this pay-per-view. Two great matches, definitely two of the best matches in AEW so far. I was thinking about this the other day, dude, where they've had a lot of great tag team matches, and the Bucks, and people can poop on them, I know you've had your issues with them, and as have I, to, certain, to a certain degree, but they've had great matches everywhere they've gone, specifically here in AEW, with the Lucha Bros, Page and Omega, um, now FTR. Can you name one singles match, though? In, RJ, uh, in, in AEW's one year, RJ, we've had a lot of great tag team matches, and a lot of great ones I would put at the top of the list. Other than maybe Paige, or not Paige, I'm sorry, Omega and Pac from the Revolution, or not from Revolution, I think it was the Iron Man match on Dynamite, which was phenomenal. Can you think of one singles match that stands out as being the best so far in AEW's history? Maybe Cody and Dustin? I was literally about to say, does before Dynamite Air count? Because I'd probably say Dustin and Cody would yeah. my match so far. Um... Trying to think what else. I, I think they've had a lot of good matches, but not so many like great ones, especially single matches that stand that, that, out. Like, that's oh the God. problem. I thought Cody and MGF had the potential to be. It just just wasn't there. Um, not really. They've had a lot of very good to great matches. Don't get me wrong, a lot of great matches. Like again, I thought MGF and Moxley had a great match. I thought MGF and Jericho had a really good match. Cody's had a lot of very good matches. 
uh, with a number of people. I thought him and Allen have had some great matches, none that I would put at the best of AEW. Again, I would probably put Omega and Pac at the top of the list, um, right below Cody and Dustin. Yeah, I, I, I would know. have to go with Cody and Dustin. I just Cody and Jericho also had a great match, but I don't know if it's the best the company's had so far. Yeah, I, I, I would go with Cody and Dustin so far. I just it's like you said, it, they've had a lot of great or good to great tag team matches, but single matches. I haven't really liked I haven't really liked a lot of stuff that they've done with Moxley. I think he's had like good, okay matches, but nothing like he just always like garbage deathmatch shit, which I don't love, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Like maybe if they just have like a good one-on-one match with someone. That'd be nice. But yeah, I, I'll go with Dustin and Cody. Um, and like that pack and Omega match was good as well. Um, so I'll put that up there as well. But me, me I'm assuming. I think Omega and Hangman have the potential to like have that best match in company history once they go down the line and tell the story correctly. Yeah, I think so, too, and I think Moxley and Omega could be on that uh, list, too, come Dynamite next month. We'll see. I mean, I thought the first match was very good, I mean, for different reasons. It was a hardcore death match, like you said, but I think as a pure wrestling match, it could also be great. We'll see. So you're telling me that you wouldn't put Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara and the Elite Deletion on that list, RJ? Fuck no. <laughs> so well, this match is just not my cup of tea. Listen, I mean, I'll just keep it short and sweet here. I enjoyed this for what it was. I'm a big fan of the Broken Universe stuff. You know that. I'm a big Matt Hardy fan. But I am not surprised at all to see this match get the backlash that it did. But I think one thing we can agree on is that this went a little longer than it should have. On a three and a half hour show, this probably should have either been saved for Dynamite or they could have shaved five minutes off of it. At least from the beginning with the private party stuff and Santana Ortiz. I didn't really give a fuck about that. Um, I thought seeing Hurricane Helms and Gangrel and the stuff they did at the end was great. The stuff at the beginning wasn't, you know, with the commentators over, they didn't, like, play the music until, like, the end. Um, it, was, it didn't really feel cinematic. It felt like a random Falls Count Anywhere match until, like, the end. So, I don't know. I, I like this for what it was, but it definitely had its flaws, though. Yeah, I, I thought it ran a little long. Um, Matt winning... I would have had Sammy win, but Matt winning, whatever. But, I mean, he gave him that big rub, so. That's what uh, Matt said. I mean, he gave him a big rub, like a big death, you know, like, they basically kill each other. So, after the, after a big blood feud, just tell them, tell them everyone they put the guy over. So, <laughs> Sammy's over now. I, I mean, didn't Matt's know you put people him. over by beating him uh, three different times. That's interesting. Beat, I didn't know that. <laughs> beat him three times, only crush his head in with a chair. Uh, he got over. Hey, put him over, crush his skull in with a chair. So, uh, <laughs> can't wait for Sammy to keep losing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll do something with Sammy. It looks like they're going to be doing something with him in this inner circle MJF Wardlow thing. And listen, I love Matt. He can put that stuff on Twitter, and I'm completely okay with it. For him to cut a fucking promo on Dynamite about how he put Sammy Guevara over, he didn't say the word over, but he said something along those lines. He, he did. It wasn't as bad as Jericho's promo, but it was like, oh, we're trying to elevate talent. It's like, didn't he just almost fucking ruin your life? Like, you know, didn't he almost kill you with that bump it all out? He's like, oh, I put him over. I don't know. I just, I feel like AEW does a lot of that shit. I feel like they say, I don't know. I, I'm just not a fan of whenever the companies there say, oh, he's a jobber, or oh, we put him over, oh, he was the rub on fucking TV. Like, if you want to say that in a tweet or a podcast, I'm not too, I'm not too kayfabe. But like on the show itself, WWE never does that shit for the most part. TNA used to do it too, and it used to annoy me. I fucking hate it when AEW does it. It's so annoying. So annoying. Anyway, so we get to the main event. Or not actually the main event. We had MGF and Jericho first. Um, I just was kind of bored by this. I don't know. It was good. Maybe it was the heel versus heel thing. It was just one of the weaker parts of the show to me. 
Uh, MJF wins with like a roll-up. Again, they already did a roll-up earlier. I just feel like Jericho's lost so much this year between Moxley, Stadium Stampede, Orange Cassidy twice, that the min the, the, the win wasn't like, oh my god, it made MGF. Just I didn't really care. And I figured he would win anyway, as he should have. So I just this wasn't really my cup of tea. I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going, but I didn't love the match. Yeah, the issue with this match, I think it was more a placement. If this opened the show or was in the beginning of the show, I think it would have been a little bit better. I agree. I think the crowd wasn't in it at all. The build was there. I just think Jericho is kind of, this is probably the lowest he's met in forever. Uh, MGF, he's kind of just still treading water at this point. He's been going back and forth all year. He beats Cody, then he's not on the show, and then he beats Jungle Boy, and then he's not on the show. Then he gets this big push and loses to Moxley, and now he's doing this Jericho stuff who's couldn't be any colder. So the match was, like, okay for what it was. Think back. If they had this match at Revolution where they both were at that time, I think it would have been – I think it could have been a really good match, and I think people would have been more invested. But MGF winning by cheating was a nice little touch. You don't really see that much in wrestling anymore. You, heels usually don't cheat anymore. So nice to see MGF win here, but I just don't know, like – I feel like they're, like, teasing, like, they're going to be, like, in their inner circle and eventually just split off from them. Clearly, this dissension between MGF and Sammy, Wardlow and Hager seem like they're not on the same page. So, we'll see, but I just think this match should have been bigger than it was. I agree. I enjoyed it for what it was, but it just kind of felt slow to me. And the show, it was already, like, 11 o'clock when this thing started, so I was like, okay, can we just wrap this thing up already? Just give MGF the win and move on, so... Um, I don't know. We'll get to the story stuff in a second with the inner circle from Dynamite. But the main event saw John Moxley beat Eddie Kingston in a nine-quit match to retain the AEW World Championship. I thought it was a very good match, exactly what I thought it would be, the deathmatch stuff, which honestly is exactly what I hoped it would be. And listen, I hate the fucking deathmatch stuff, but if you have John Moxley, who's known for it, and Eddie Kingston, who's also kind of been famous for it as well, you have to have a garbage match. You kind of have to. Um, they had a normal match on Dynamite a couple of months ago, and it just kind of felt underwhelming to me. So this was more like it. Kingston was never going to win. That was never in doubt. Um, but I thought he looked good in defeat here. He's just not world title material. But I thought uh, it was cool to see him get his moment. He's done great work so far in AEW. So I thought it was a good match. And they closed out the show with Moxley and Omega kind of facing off. Which we now know they're going to be facing off of the championship. Not at Revolution. Not on the New Year's Eve episode or the New Year's Day episode or whatever. Um, I thought they might save it for like the first episode of the new year. But actually they're doing it in three weeks on the December 2nd episode of Dynamite, which seems random, but I got to give credit. I, I saw it, I don't know if it was like Solomonster, someone else said it on Twitter, I saw it somewhere, saying that maybe the reason why they're doing it then is because Moxley is still the current IWGP United States champion over in Japan. So maybe this is their way of having him lose the belt, uh, take time off for like a month, so he can go over to Japan, do the Wrestle Kingdom shows, and then come back because he has to quarantine and shit like that. So, I, I feel like that might be why they're doing it, because otherwise I'm not sure why you would do it on December 2nd and not, like, towards Christmas or after, you know, the New Year's or whatever. Um, but either way, I thought the main event of the pay-per-view was good, and I am very much looking forward to Moxley and Omega come uh, December 2nd. Yeah, the match what it was, and just was there. I'm not a big garbage deathmatch kind of guy. Once you start pulling out the barbed wire and the, the thumbtacks, just kind of lose me. Um, Kingston, I think he's done great in AEW. Um, he's just not well championship material, unfortunately. Moxley, he's I think he's been good. I just I don't know. I just think he's come so he's gone so far the wrong direction. He's just like back to like the CZW freaking outlaw mud show fucking deathmatch guy. Like 
he's a great, I think he's a great talker, and I think he's always has been, but his matches in AEW just always like a blood show. Every match he has is blood. They do like weird bombs and shit. I just, I just like, I go back to be like more like Dean Ambrose, and I, I think I'd like him a little bit more, but. I think it's a good talk- balance, though, personally. You, you need to find a good balance, is what I'm saying. Correct. I think he needs to be less deathmatch guy, but. No, Moxley and Omega should be good. I mean, I think Omega's winning as a slam dunk, like Shaquille O'Neal, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't we'll know get to that shit. It. I don't know why they're doing it December 2nd. I mean, maybe to pop a big rating on Dynamite. Um, but like you said, maybe because of the whole uh, New Japan stuff, but I don't know. It kind of, feel, kind of feels random, but no, I think it, it should be a good match. Um, especially, well, it should be just a singles match. The last one they had was that, like, lights out death match, so... Um, I think Omega will win there, but uh, I, I'm excited for the match to be like an actual match. Yeah, I love the fact that Omega brought up in that promo later on in the show. He was like, you know, as far as I'm concerned, we've never faced off before. We're 0-0 zero and because zero, that match never actually counted. That was the thing at the time. That and the Joey Janela-Moxley match uh, from Fighter Fest, I think it was. It was a non-sanctioned match, which means it doesn't actually count towards anyone's record. So he's completely correct when he said he's never lost to Omega or he's never lost to Moxley before. So I thought that was a great touch, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing the rematch in three weeks. So you think Omega wins there to win the championship? Like I said before, Graham, it's like Shaquille O'Neal dunking a basketball, slam dunk Omega win. Let's get right into it. Fallout from uh, AEW uh, Full Gear on Dynamite on Wednesday night itself. Shaquille O'Neal will waste no time here. we got to address the elephant or rather the giant in the room as... Uh, uh, what's her name? Jade, I believe. Jade Cargill addressed him as, but uh, I have no idea who she was. I was not familiar with her at all when she showed up last night, which is fine. It doesn't matter if I know her or not. I just thought her promo sucked. Um, so she teased that Shaq's coming to AEW, which I guess has been in the works now for a while. Apparently, when he re-signed with TNT a couple of months ago, he wanted to wrestle. Now, the guy is... Old. Now, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I was saying for a long time, hey, I want Big Show and Shaq. Did I think it was going to be an instant classic? Absolutely fucking not. But I think that match just works in WWE because it's more of a spectacle. And, I don't know, keep it short and sweet. I love their fucking interaction in the Honor of the Giant Memorial Battle Royal about four or five years ago. I thought that was great. I was watching that with you. I pop big for that. You keep it to a short match. You build it up as this giant collision it's over quickly. Maybe it would have been bold. It maybe just would have been complete crap. But it would have been no worse than Big Show and Aki Bono from WrestleMania 21. So why not give it a shot? Uh, maybe not as good as Big Show and Floyd Mayweather, though. Big Show is great with the celebrities. I just feel like this match, if they do it, which it seems like they are, feels out of place. Whether it's Cody and Shaq one-on-one or Cody and Brandy versus Jade Cargill and Shaq, I'm just, I'm just not a fan of this at all. Yeah, this is just completely random. I know Shaq works for TNT on the uh, NBA coverage, so I guess there's some kind of connection there, but I just I don't need to see a one-on-one match with him and Cody. I definitely don't need to see a mixed tag with Brandy and Cody and this Jade woman and Shaq either. I just Cody just like he just keeps getting these weird debuts and like the same with like the Butcher and Blade, like I feel like he's always in these weird like debuts and weird angles. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But uh Hey, yeah, that, that girl's promo was terrible. And Brandy had to get involved. I mean, the context of what she said, like, I understand she's sticking up for Cody, but just screamed, like, real housewives of Atlanta. Like, just screaming, like, cussing for no reason. Like, Brandy, like, you little tr- ratchet-ass bitch. Like, get the hell out of here. Get your ass out of here. Like, don't talk to my husband like that. Like, where was she when Jake was, was shitting on Cody? I mean, mm-hmm. 
I don't know. I just I, I less Brandy Rhodes the better for me. I just think she's just just not good. Well, listen, I, I'll play devil's advocate here, and I'll say I thought it was a great promo. Now I said this to Alexis. I turned to her after the promo was over, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I thought that was the best thing that Brandy Rhodes has ever done. Because you know, I'm not a big Brandy Rhodes fan. I'm sure she's a fabulous person. As an on-air performer, I think she's just not great at all, um, specifically in the ring. But even on the even on the mic, I just don't think. She ever comes across as genuine. I like this because that Jade woman was running down Cody. You mentioned the Jake thing, and I agree. Where was she for that? Um, I think, actually, Jake did something to Brandy. I mean, didn't he, like... He was he like, like dry on, humped her. Yeah, he, like, dry humped her or something, which was fucking weird. Um, but, you know, she wasn't really involved in that too much. What was I going to say? Oh, you know, but she was going off on Cody here, that Jade woman was... I guess it's because Jade, or rather Jake, never talked about Cody's dick, and Jade did, and that's why she went out. I, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. But maybe it wasn't the fact... I mean, the accent kind of came out of nowhere. Brandy, you know, all the, the language and whatever. I mean, it was a great promo. I loved it. I think I liked it, though, for the intensity of Brandy, how she came across as genuine for once. It did feel forced, I agree, with the way she was talking. Um, and it's not even the fact that the way she was talking was a problem. It's just the fact that we've never heard Brandy talk like that before. So it's a complete, just came completely out of nowhere. But maybe the idea is she was really frustrated. So maybe that's why she talked like that. I don't know, but I like that. The Jade woman's promo sucked. The Shaq thing is just weird. Cody saying he doesn't want a TNT title rematch, but he wants to face MJF again. I mean, it's been like seven months. I mean, wasn't that also incredibly random to you? Yeah, that just seemed completely random because they seem like they're in two different parts of the like they're two different things right now. Jared, like MGF, still like with the inner circle, there's still some tension there. So assuming that's where the story's gonna go, Cody, I don't know why. Like, guy held the belt, dropped it for a hot second, got a belt. He's like, I don't want a rematch. I don't know. Just see, Cody, I like Cody. I just think he just, I don't know. He just does a lot of weird things. I think he thinks he's like. Hulk Hogan or Roman Reigns or John Cena that he can just do whatever he wants and like he'll get it over but I just like just stick with just stick with what's going on like get your rematch with Darby then move on yeah it's just weird I know we're getting Cody and Darby versus Team Taz next week which is logical after what we saw on Saturday I just don't know why you had to kick off the Shaq stuff on this show and the tease the MJF thing this the MJF thing would have made more sense after Cody became TNT champion because MJF could have said hey I beat you give me a title shot because I'm one of the few people who has beaten you and if anything, MJF never gave a fuck about that title. So why would Cody want a rematch? I don't know. It's just it's just weird to me. Um, I know he beat him. I know MJF beat him. But it just seems really random just because it's been so long. And um, Cody's coming off a loss already. So wouldn't he want to avenge that loss first? Just really weird. Um, and I thought Dynamite overall was a solid show. The Bunkhouse match, I had zero expectations for because the feud has done nothing for me. But it was basically a bloodbath. They beat the shit out of each other. I thought it was a great match. I enjoyed the inner circle MJF Wardlow stuff. A lot of the segments, as we've said here on the show before, very hit or miss. I thought this was one of the better ones. Like, the Jericho clown thing was fucking dumb. But the birthday Jericho celebration last night from MJF, the, the tickets to Vegas, I thought it was hilarious. I thought he did a really good job in the role here on uh, on Dynamite, MJF did. This was good, I think. Even though it was, like, comedy-esque, um, I, think, I think it was good. I, I think MJF was, like... Like, more of, like, a sarcastic heel prick. Like, him, like, it's Jericho's birthday. We're going to Vegas. Like, the woo-woo. Like, he's, like... <laughs> yeah, I love that. He was just kind of, like, a jackass heel. Like, he was, like, obviously... I think he was just, like, not just being a clown and, like, being, like, insulting. He was just being, like, a sarcastic prick, which was hilarious. Like, him, like, forget, like, not having Sammy out there, allegedly giving him the wrong email. 
him just being over the top, sarcastic and prickish. I just like that's MJF. I like just being a prick. So I thought I thought it came off good, even though it was comedy esque. He still was being like a sarcastic dick, even though like he was doing comedy. I thought it worked. Probably my favorite part of the show. MJF's just money when he does that shit. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I thought he was great here. Where do you think it goes from here? Because I know we weren't sold on MJF being in the group, and I still stand by that. But obviously, it's not long term. But as opposed to him taking over the group, um, speculation now seems to be that they might be breaking up the inner circle through MJF. Because Sammy Guevara was kind of off, wasn't on the same page. Ortiz isn't on the same page. I, I think it's Ortiz. I, I always get them mixed up, name-wise. Um, but I, I think that would actually work better because we've said here on the show, Inner Circle, they're fucking losers. They lose constantly. I just don't think you need to have them as a stable anymore when you have all these other factions. So I think MJF causing a rift within the faction is actually, I think that's actually pretty good if that's what they're going for, but I'm not sure if that's what they're doing. I think that's where they could go, but then where do you go from there? I think the group needs to be broken up at this point. They're just a bunch of losers. But then what do you do with, like, Ortiz and Sammy are the ones that have an issue with MJF. Jericho, Hager, and Santana seem to be more on board with it. So what are you going to do, split up Santana and Ortiz? Like, well, I, think, I don't know. It just, yeah, it's no, just kind of weird. So we'll see what happens. But I, I would just, if the group's going to split up, I would still just have MJF and Wardlow together. Yeah, no, obviously keep them together, I would say. Um, but that, that's what I would do because the inner circle just serves no purpose at this point. Um, so also from Dynamite, we won't break down the entire show, but we did get the return of Pac, which was heavily teased last week with the promo that he cut on the show. Um, you had to know when Phoenix and Pentagon main event the Dynamite that they weren't going to main event for, for no reason. There was got to be a reason, and that was because they brought back Pac. Um, but I thought it was a cool moment. We haven't seen him since February, March, I think. I think he might have been in the last Dynamite show before the pandemic started. So it's been about seven, eight months, so great to see him. And um, I don't know if they're going to have break up the Lucha Bros and have Kingston with Pentagon and then Phoenix with Pac or just reunite the Death Triangle altogether. Uh, I don't know, but I'm intrigued to see where this goes from here, though. Yeah, it was nice to see Pac. Uh, he said, I think it was kind of foreshadowed anyways, but his, uh, with his appearance last week on Dynamite, it was kind of more of a when than if uh, he'll be back. But I think it's nice to see him back. I, I would keep the Lucha Bros together. I, I don't know why they're kind of breaking them apart. I think they should get a tag run before they break them up. But maybe, like you said, maybe they have Pat go with one, the other one go with Kingston. But um, it was nice to see him back, though. Yeah, no, I agree. It was a cool moment. Great to have him back after such a long absence. So in the remainder of the show, he will break down uh, Raw and NXT pretty quickly, just because there's not a lot to talk about from Raw itself. Um, what else is new? So we got two qualifiers. I think actually, no, just one rather. One qualifier for Team Raw at the pay-per-view. Riddle, not Matt, don't call him Matt, it's just Riddle now, beating Elias and Jeff Hardy triple threat match uh, to qualify for Raw's men's team at Survivor Series. Would you say he was the best choice to qualify for the team, RJ? Yeah, it seemed like he was going to be the one involved. Obviously, Jeff and Elias, are, I don't know if they're done, but probably can continue that. So I mm-hmm. think Matt Riddle made the most sense uh, winning that match. Yeah, no, I agree. The match was not very good at all, but I thought Riddle was the right result here. Him winning was the right result. He had a pretty big night. He won that match, and he also won the tag team match for his team, pinning Sheamus um, when he and Keith Lee took on Sheamus and Strowman with AJ serving as the special guest referee. So uh, I don't know. It seems like he, he lost his first two matches on Raw, now he's on Survivor Series. He pinned Sheamus on Monday. He's still involved in the court stuff, so I'm not exactly sure if they're going to push him or not, but um, I thought he was off. He, he, he had a pretty solid start on Monday, and he had a pretty big night, so that was good to see, as talent as he is. Um, what was I going to mention to you? 
Oh, the Braun Strowman thing. So Braun Strowman now apparently is a babyface. Dave Meltzer reported this again. You got to take everything he says with a grain of salt. Braun Strowman teamed with Sheamus on Monday. Apparently the report now is that he's a babyface again, RJ. You're a big Braun fan. I mean, he, he started out as a heel, okay? He was a heel for two years. He broke away from the Wyatt family. He got over and just being very dominant and likable and whatever. They turned him babyface by late 2017. That was the hottest he's ever been. And he was a babyface for a while. And then right in the, at, at, he was at the peak of his popularity. They turned him fucking heel, coming out of SummerSlam 2018. And then when they ran out of top babyfaces because Roman got sick in late 2018, they turned him back into a babyface. Okay. Didn't have a lot of momentum, but he was a face. Didn't really get anywhere. Won a couple of titles. Um, no one really gave a shit anymore. So they turned him heel a couple of months ago, as they should have. And now, apparently, he's a babyface again. What the fuck is going on with Braun Strowman, RJ? I honestly have no idea. I do like his new, like, I don't know if it's a character, but, like, his new, like, gear. Kind of I agree. Like more, like, a, it's a nice change. He has, like, that more, like, strongman kind of look to him. He's got, like, the gloves and everything. I think it's a new, different look, but... I don't know, they've, they've butchered this guy, man. He was so hot when he was a babyface, and then he fucking lost to Roman Reigns like a hundred times and Brock Lesnar, so. I, I think he's, at this point, just kind of mid-card at best, so. I, I like Strowman a lot, I just I just don't think the company ever sees him more than just kind of a mid-card guy, so. he's kind of, I think he'll be like that big show role. Maybe he'll have a few kind of world title runs, but we'll, nothing be, we'll never be like considered like the guy. I like Strowman a lot, too, I just think they've, they're starting to flip-flop on, like, Big Show as well. Like, he's turning face one week, he's healed the next. Like, yeah. just stick to it. I just, I just don't care. I mean, I didn't care before, but at least as a heel, it made more sense. He was working with Keith Lee. I mean, as a, as a baby face, I guess you could do him in Strowman, which isn't bad. I've never seen... We haven't seen that before in a singles, you know, capacity. But, like, does this mean they're setting up, assuming Orton wins next week, an Orton-Strowman feud? I mean, that sounds like the cure for fucking insomnia. Take my pesos, baby. I love it. Does Papa Marceau, is he, does he approve of this as well? Obviously. Man, I, I'm going to have to skip that pay-per-view, whatever, whatever pay-per-view that, or that's on. I just, I just, I don't get it, but we'll see. Uh, we also would Oscar and Nia Jackson, a match they called the main event of WrestleMania-worthy, RJ. Would you agree with that? <laughs> that's funny. This match, Nia Jackson stinks. They ever put her in the main event? <laughs> That's embarrassing. She's trash. <laughs> We've seen the match a million times, and apparently it's the main event of WrestleMania. Nia Jax just sucks anyway. So Again, I know Byron said that it's not Byron's fault. Apparently that was an edict from WWE for him to say that. I just, I just don't know why you would do that. It's just laughable. You lose all credibility when you say stuff like that, and the match wasn't even that good. Asuka's a total afterthought right now. Are they setting up for Lana as the sole survivor at Survivor Series? Obviously. It seems like that's the direction they're going in. Don't know why Lana's terrible. Um, I just I don't understand how they think that making her a, that this makes her a babyface. If the crowd was there and they were just plopping her through a table every week, I think they'd like they'd cheer for her because Lana's terrible. Like she's not even good in the ring, so it's just like oh she's being she's being underutilized or like they're punishing her. But she's good in the ring, so we'll cheer for her. Like she's not good in the ring. I'm not, I don't want I hate Nia Jax. I still don't want to cheer for her. So. Mm-hmm. I think this is just like WWE just trying their best to push up their own agenda, but I don't think the fans really give a shit. What's worse, the push, quote-unquote, of Lana or the 24-7 bullshit on Monday night? The 24-7 title needs to go in a dumpster and just burn to death. That, that title is terrible. It's run its course. 
It's a waste of time on Raw. It's a fast forward every time. The title means nothing. Please stop with the fucking 24-7 title <laughs> fucking matches. They get matches. Like, it's not even like they just get, like, a little match. Like, they get little segments in there and a match. It's just like no one gives a shit. It's just not even creative anymore. It's lit- They did a seven-way match with the, with the cast and crew of WWE Main Event, and they all won the title within the span of, like, three minutes. I mean, come on, man. That's three minutes I'll never get back. It's just a complete just, waste of time. What it is every week. God, it's fucking terrible. I will say that one of the best parts of Raw was Ali and Ricochet. They had a great match. Um, and Ali won, not clean with the help of Retribution, though. But I thought it was a really good match. I don't know how much further he's going to go, but I enjoyed this for what it was, though. Yeah, I thought this was a good match. I think Retribution is just kind of dead at this point. I thought this was, it was a good match, though. I just Ricochet's just been a fucking loser since being gun called up. So I don't want him to join Retribution. I don't think it's going to help him at all, so... I don't know. It was a good match. I just think it didn't really serve a purpose. I thought the main event was also entertaining. McIntyre and the New Day knocking off Orton, uh, Miz, and Morrison in six-man tag team action. Obviously, McIntyre pinning Morrison because these guys cannot fucking win a match to save their lives. But I thought it was good built towards next week, which we are getting McIntyre and Orton for the WWE Championship and New Day versus the Hurt Business for the Raw Tag Team titles. Now, we've seen many, many times, RJ, in the last couple of years, titles changing hands right before the big Raw and SmackDown matches at Survivor Series. But with both of these belts, both the Raw Tag Titles and the WWE Championship twice, with AJ and Bryan in recent years, are they setting up the same thing for one of these two titles, if not both, or, or neither of them? Um, If I was going to do it, I would have Drew win. I, I like Randy. I just, I just don't care as him as champion at this point. Like I said, I think... If you wanted SummerSlam, I would have cared. At this point, I just don't give a shit about Randy. So, if Drew wins, I'd be happy. I don't want to see Roman lose the belt anytime soon. Um, but I, I assume Randy will win here. But if he lost, I wouldn't care. I think there's a good chance McIntyre wins, and they set a McIntyre and Roman for a Survivor Series. That's just a much more appealing match to me. And I never really thought Orton's, unless they're setting up Orton and Edge for Mania, which is just abysmal. Um, no thanks. Unless they're setting up that, I just didn't see Orton's reign lasting long anyway. So we'll see. But I, I hope he loses it next week. I don't think he will. I think The Fiend will probably get involved. Um, what the fuck was up with that? We never got The Fiend on Monday night. Yeah, I was pissed about that. I saw on Twitter that they were, they were promoting the uh, Alexa Bliss, Drew McIntyre uh, Moment of Bliss segment. I watched the show. It wasn't even on there. I didn't text you. I'm like, <laughs> did I miss something? Like, I'm pretty sure I saw it on Twitter that they were promoting it. And it was the one thing on Raw I really wanted to see, and then they didn't even do it. They did a stupid backstage segment with Alexa and Nikki, and she was just ripping up a flower. I'm like, oh, later, later, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Like, who gives a shit? Weren't you surprised that she picked the Fiend over Alexa Blit or over uh, Nikki Cross? No, <laughs> they've run the course on Nikki Cross thing. I like Alexa a lot with Bray, so yeah, don't 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 split them up, please. No, I agree. I don't think they will. I don't think Nikki Cross should join them either. She should just go off and do her own thing. Um, New Day and Hurt Business, do you see the tag titles changing there? I do. I think the Hurt Business wins. Okay, okay. I would do it. I said this on hashtag. I would save it for next month. I want to see Profits and New Day. I mean, Profits and uh, Hurt Business would be good too, but I would hold off on that. But that should be good too. Either way, I think the tag titles got to end up on the Hurt Business. So we'll close off quickly with NXT. I thought it was a good show on Wednesday. There's really not a lot to break down in depth. Um, It was good. It was a mixed bag, a lot like Dynamite. The Boa Zia Lee stuff. What the fuck is that shit? 
I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued, though. I kind of like like the little messenger guy coming out and Raquel killing Boa. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm a little interested. So, I mean, it seems completely random, and it's two people I really don't care about. But I think it's got some legs. We'll see what happens. It seems like a, like a Moana's. Like, oh, God. The kid loves it for that like, reason alone. The guy they sent out there looks like the old man in, in Moana. We'll see what happens, <laughs> but... Uh, I know. I'm kind of interested. Not gonna lie. Did Triple H just watch Mulan at Disney Plus with his daughters, and that's why they're doing this storyline? I just don't know where it's going, but I'm inter- I'm a little interested. You know, with stuff like that, there's like a little mystery in it. You gotta be a little interested. So we'll see. I mean, Raquel killing them like doesn't help. Like I don't think that's helping Boa's career at all. Like him getting killed by Raquel Gonzalez, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm a little interested. We'll see. I'm just not optimistic because that actually doesn't do this stuff often. Uh, with the whole cinematic stuff. I mean, I enjoyed the the Haunted House of Terror match or whatever, the ha- the uh, Halloween match they did at Halloween Havoc with Loomis and, and Grimes. And that was good. So maybe, I, I don't know, we'll see. I don't love the whole sports entertainment shit, but we'll see where it goes. Maybe it ends up being great and they have this big reveal for like who the ultimate person is sending the notes. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. But also on the show, we had Leon Ruff, former Evolve talent, who's been the designated jobber for Raw SmackDown and NXT during the pandemic era beating Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. Now, credit where credit is due. RJ, you said here on the show last week that you would like to see... You you said the route that you would like to see them going is just a complete scrub or someone that we've never heard of before that would make sense for Johnny to pick, beating Johnny for the title. Now, I don't want to say I'm sold on this because I was looking forward to Johnny having a real title reign for once, and we didn't get that. The curse is indeed real. Uh, and Leon Ruff is actually really good. Um, and I've noticed that for a while now. He can sell his ass off. And I think if you give him like a Mikey Whipwreck like Rain or a Santino like Rain like he said last week, I think it might work if they if they have him hold on to the belt for a little while and he barely is able to beat people by the skin of his teeth. I think this could work. I- I'm willing to give this one a shot because I feel like they wouldn't do it for the sake of like, oh, let's bury Johnny. Like, I don't know. I'm willing to see where this one goes. No, I, I loved it. I, I right when they pulled out the little uh, spin the wheel thing, and it was clearly like, rigged, and like it was going back and forth, and it went on Leon Ruff. I'm like, oh my god, like they could do it. Like he's gonna pick some loser he thinks he can easily be, and he loses. And I thought like Johnny thought he had like he thought he had it. Goes for his finisher, gets a little crucifix crucifix pin, and loses. I was like, holy shit! I think I think done right, it can work. I I just I would do what you just said, like. Have him hold the belt for a little bit. Win, like, just, like, pull wins out of his ass, like you said. Like, skin in the teeth, just, like, barely winning. Like, escaping every all these matches and keep winning. And it could actually mean something. I, I don't want him to win the belt and lose it next week. or just be a fucking way. So, I think done right, you can make, I don't know, make him into a star, but at least make him. I mean, Santino was a mid-card star for a while. About. Yeah, I think I think if done right, they can make him, people care about Leon Ruff. Like you said, is really good, so. Um, interested to see what they do with there. I just would make sure, like, make it mean something. Don't just put it on them just for giggles. No, that would be dumb. They've already traded the title back and forth a couple of times now. Priest held it for a month. Johnny held it for two weeks. They shouldn't They shouldn't just put it right back on someone else next week. I, I would give them a little bit of a run, like a Santino-esque run, as you mentioned. I think that has potential. A um, couple things on the NXT front, uh, again. Impacts the Rascals. That being, I think the entire Rascals, I don't think it's just Dez and Wentz. I think it's Trey Miguel as well. Um, Look to be leaving Impact Wrestling. That was confirmed by a couple of sources. I think Impact even said that in a tweet on Tuesday night during the show. They're having one more match on next week's taping, on next week's show. 
And then, apparently, there could be WWE bound is the rumor right now, uh, which I think is good. WWE, I don't think, aside from the Evolve people, which it counts, but they were kind of already working with WWE anyway. Like, I think Leon Ruff was already kind of on Raw regardless. Um, aside from the Evolve talents, they haven't really hired anyone new earlier this year since, like, Karrion Cross and Timothy Thatcher, which was back in February, probably due to the pandemic. They haven't hired anyone new. That would, I think, would be a good get for them. Their tag team division needs all the help it can get. Now, I know the fear is, oh, their tag team division, they put no thought into it. They haven't had the NXT tag titles defended on a takeover in months, which is true, since uh, Portland in February. And so, therefore, they might not be a priority. They're a great team, but they're not, like, the greatest team ever to the point where they're, like, if they're not in a prominent storyline, it's okay. Like, they're not, like, the Young Bucks or even Ortiz and Santana. They're very good but I think I think they're a perfect fit for NXT personally. Yeah, I, I think any tag team depth would be needed right now. They just kind of seem like they only have a few teams in NXT. I've only seen Trey Miguel. I thought he was really good with the match with Eddie Edwards. So um, definitely a good guess for them if, if they sign with NXT. I think they need more tag teams. And like you said, they're not so big that I think that they need the belts and need this huge reign. I think just putting another notable team in the tag team division that needs help would be great. Give them a little reign. And then hopefully once this COVID thing ends up, they could have like good matches with like young young grizzled vets and stuff like that. Yeah, I was thinking about that because they brought back Pete Dunne, who I think lives here in the states now. Tony Storm is here again. I think she lives here now. Pack is back on Dynamite. Do you think? I mean, actually, them grizzled young vets and Jordan Devlin. It's got to be inevitable before we see them back on NXT, right? I hope so. I was honestly surprised that Pack didn't like. He was in the WWE system for, like, a while. Obviously, he lived in Orlando. I thought he would still probably have a place in Orlando. So, I'm honestly surprised that he moved back to... Yeah, he moved to back, UK. yeah. He was like, fuck I this. Moved, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But, like, if you're, like, I guess they only work once a week. So, you could, I guess, do the travel. But why wouldn't you just... I don't know. I think it would make more sense just to have a house here. But, I guess, if you have the luxury of having two houses or living in your home country, I guess so. But I feel like that's just a a weekly flight that I wouldn't want to take. So mm-hmm. who knows, but uh, it clearly packs back and he's coming from the UK. We should see more um, UK wrestlers coming back to the, to the United States. It sounds like hopefully fingers crossed. One more thing for NXT. I think it's happening next week. I didn't see an official graphic, but based off the prime target videos they did, which were great. We're getting EO Shirai and Rhea Ripley for the NXT women's championship next week on the show. Uh, and I'm a little surprised. I mean, I guess they didn't know ahead of time, but I, they probably should have saved that for the, for the December 2nd show to combat Dynamite, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. Um, it should be a great match, though. We haven't had a one-on-one match between these two in a while. I want to say they had a one-on-one match right before TakeOver in your house that had a non-finish. Um, I thought the videos last night were great, and I'm looking forward to this. I think EO walks out, still the champion, though. Yeah, I would talk about that EO. I like real a lot, but I just don't think she really needs to tag uh, the women's title at this point. I think she's kind of done, done everything in NXT at this point. So I would have you win here, close up that, that little feud, and I would eventually have her go on the main roster. Hopefully a Raw, because they need as much help as they can get. Yeah, I was going to say that they could always bring her up, like a Shayna Baszler-like call-up right after the Rumble, but that's not for another two and a half months. So maybe after Survivor Series, they've called up people after Survivor Series before, the Riot Squad, uh, Mandy Rose, Sonya they've done before, the Shield, obviously, at Survivor Series itself years ago. So we'll see. But yeah, I think definitely. What did you say, Raw or did you say SmackDown? Because I think both divisions honestly could use her. Um, I would say Raw. I think Raw could use her more. I just feel like Raw has been such a cluster mess 
that they could just use her as as a face of the women's division. Obviously, they have Charlotte, but right now, I just, I just, it's just a mess. I mean, Ross is so bad, and I just feel like they have no idea what the hell they're doing. So maybe a little new blood that has star potential can actually help them out. The problem is that Raw has the talent. They just don't know what the fuck to do with anyone right now, specifically the women. Like, again, I've said this to you before. They have a great women's division. They're just... Lacey and Peyton are a team now. Who the fuck cares? Sheena just means almost nothing. This is the least that she's ever meant in her entire WWE career. Asuka's a complete afterthought right now. I, I mean, Alexa Bliss is doing some cool stuff, but she's not involved in any matches at the moment. I don't know. I just I just don't really care about the women's division on Raw, just based on how they book them. And Nia Jax is just fucking terrible. Uh, SmackDown, they have... The funny thing is that it's a lot like SmackDown's women's division four years ago. Remember coming out of the initial draft, they only had, like, six women? But, like, they were always on the show. Like, there were three or four different storylines at a time. And they were always very good. Like, Nikki Bella and Natalia was a feud that I genuinely cared about. Like, when would I ever say that? Like, they made me care about that. And I feel like they're doing that now. They have Carmella back, uh, feuding with Sasha. Bailey's doing her thing. Bianca's on the rise. Ruby won a match last week. I feel like they have a better handle on their women's division. And they don't even have a lot of stars over there. Yeah, it's it's just crazy that the same people write both shows. It makes no sense. I don't know. Maybe like does that one hour difference really make that much of a difference? I just I don't know. I feel like Raw once the draft was going to happen, they would like switch things up and kind of go in a different direction. But they're still doing the Drew and Randy stuff. Just feel like they've just kind of still in the same kind of cycle. So I just. I don't know. I just they need to fix it quickly because Raw's honestly unbearable at this point. It's it's pretty bad. Hopefully Monday and your birthday will be better. Fingers crossed. Uh, not again. Not hold my breath, but we'll see. But... I was just say, don't hold your breath. You won't make it to to midnight. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, but this has been great, Mr. Marceau. We are breaking down Survivor Series next week here on the show. Preview picks and predictions for that pay per view coming up next weekend. Um, always an R.J. Marceau birthday weekend spectacular. You gotta watch back Survivor Series 02 and Survivor Series 03 before then. That's your homework. Oh, yeah, easily. I did start watching Survivor Series 03 the other night. Uh, great team angle, Team Lesnar. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Love uh, the Colossus of Bago Road. Good stuff. Nathan Colossus Jones. of Bago? What is that? Nathan Jones! Oh my god, that fucking goof. Matt Morgan, come on, the stuttering gimmick, it was I, great. <laughs> I like the blueprint, the stuttering gimmick sucked, though. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh god, good stuff. I think they had A-Train on their team, too. I, I'm pretty sure they did, yes they did. Yeah, was Cena. Wasn't Hardcore Benoit. Holly on that team? Yep, Benoit. Oh, don't, actually, don't, actually, don't, I can't say that name. So it was Angle. <laughs> Vacant, John Cena, Hardcore <laughs> Holly, and Bradshaw. Bradshaw got out in mere seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the Forgotten Hardcore SmackDown mid-card, amazing. <laughs> Dude, prime SmackDown of the Forgotten mid-carders. A-Train, oh Nathan Jones, God, Bradshaw, so that's funny. terrible. Hardcore Holly comes out last for Team Angle, and they're like, oh my God, Like this is his first time he gets to face Legends, he broke his neck. Throws Brock into the uh, steel steps and gets DQ'd before the match even starts. <laughs> and then he faced and him at the Rumble in like a five-minute match. I'm pretty sure then the match starts. Bradshaw pins uh, A-Train. No, yeah. Hits A-Train with a clothesline from hell. Pins him. Gets up. Gets a uh, bicycle kick boot from Matt Morgan. Gets pinned in second. <laughs> Unreal. Good stuff. 
Good stuff indeed. Well, we will be back here next week, Mr. Marcel. People can check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Find Mr. Marcel on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marcel. Be sure to wish him a happy birthday on Monday. The Big 22 coming up on Monday the 16th. Um, you can find me on the Twitter machine at WrestleRan. RJ, great time as always. Enjoy the birthday weekend, and I'll talk to you soon, brother. I'll catch your ass down the road. See you later, GSM. See you, brother.